Good morning, everyone. Thank you, worship team, for another great time of worship and preparing us to meet and to be with Jesus today. There's a ruckus in the center of the church if you're online, a whole bunch of extra hugging and cheering each other going on. Uh, just a quick announcement so I don't forget. Uh, next Sunday, Dr. Bruce Pringle will be here speaking. And uh, Bruce has been my counselor, our therapist, our mentor, our spiritual father for over a decade. And uh, really glad that he can be here to speak next Sunday. And you'll enjoy him for sure. Often when uh, we have like communion times or, or gatherings and somebody... We, we ask, if you need prayer, would you put up your hand and people will pray for that specific need or that specific person. I've never thought to say, if you are in need of prayer, please indicate it by wearing a jersey that looks a certain way. But uh, Sarah has demonstrated for us that that is a new way we could ask for prayer. So uh, Naturally. But I have to say congratulations to those who are Leaf fans and your miracle finally happened. <laughs> Are you Maple Leafs, Ken? Oh, okay. <laughs> bombers and Maple Leafs, I was going to start questioning you, but it's okay. You can just have the Bombers. And one other quick thing I don't want to forget is young adults are meeting after the service. If you are new here or relatively new and you consider yourself long, long consider yourself young or look relatively like it, you're uh, welcome to join that. What's that? You even get lunch. That's great. Um, so uh, this is Sarah Braun. Sarah, that camera's on right now, I think, at the back. It's online, this is Sarah Braun. Sarah has, uh, was on staff here for close to three years. It's about 10 weeks ago that uh, we announced it, that she was going to be stepping off staff, that God had something new for her, and we said we would be bringing her back to have a little conversation and, and share with us. So, Sarah, thanks for doing this today. Uh, this is kind of one of your last times at church for a while-ish uh, as you move out to Redbury and for, for the summer and do camp out there. So thank you for doing this. Talk about a little bit about your time here on staff for the past close to three years. Yeah, um, the Rock Church has been home for me for the last three years. So I, for those of you who don't know, I've shared a little bit of my story, but I had some pretty significant church hurt uh, a couple years ago, probably about five years ago. And uh, after that, I found myself in a place where I was just working at Starbucks and my, I found myself saying a lot of, I love God, but I don't know about his people. And I really questioned on what that looked like. So I took about a year and a half off of church and didn't know what that was going to look like coming forward, but then lovely Hannah and Daniel got married, and I was there for their COVID wedding and got to meet all these people and be a part of that, and uh, I found myself a few days after that Dallas, you know, well, an unknown phone number pops up on my phone, and I was like, oh, I never answer these, but I'll answer this one, and it was Pastor Dallas, and he said, I just wanted to know if you would ever switch careers. And I was like, what? Like, are you serious? And so I had wanted to be in church, didn't know how to start even looking for a job at a church. I didn't know where to go. But because I trusted Hannah and what she had said, I thought, well, Dallas is probably an okay guy. Oh, also Brad Hashing told Verdict's me whenever... Verdict's still out. Verdict's still out. 
Brad Ashe said that whenever I insert Dallas's name, just make sure that he's also input into that because he thinks that he should be recognized. So I thought I'd say that as well for the online people. Uh, so, so Dallas calls me and he said if I switch careers and, and uh, I came on just as a summer student and it was a miracle. It was a miracle to, to come here. And when you're so broken and you want to quit every other week and you find yourself with a guy you don't really know and you're saying, I don't think I can do this. Um, I don't know why you didn't fire me. I don't know why it wasn't like, when is this girl finally going to get her act together? But thankfully, they just sat with me. They loved on me and I was able to heal. And so these past three years have been just utter healing and finding Jesus again and just feeling safe with with God's people again and being in a place that I love. And the Rock Church has been, been my home and it's my place. And so, yeah, deciding to leave was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do, do up until this point. But this time I got to leave in a good way, opposed to leaving in a really hurt way. And this is still my home. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. It's a huge gift to, to hear that. That's the stuff you hope you hear someday in heaven. And uh, so thank you for that encouragement. What is something that God has taught or developed in you or that you've grown in that you can take with you as you go serve at Red Berry Camp? So when I, when Hannah first became the Bibleville director, she said, hey, Sarah, you should come to Bibleville for a night. I came for one night and I vowed I will never do this again. I found myself. Some of you, some of you out there know what she's talking about. Some of you know what she's talking about. I found, my, I found myself sitting on one of the steps with a young girl. She said something rather inappropriate to me or something or called me a name. I was like, yeah, I'm never doing this. Um, and so the miracle that I found myself in the first service, um, I just looked up uh, the passage in the Bible. It's in Psalms 37 where it says, God will give you the desires of your heart. And I think sometimes we really, we, we misuse that verse. We put it to a monetary value. We, we put it to our own desires. But really, when you are submitted to God, what he can do with that can transform your life. And so when I found myself here again, these kids, this place has broken my heart in a way that I never dreamed possible. And I feel like I have a new desire. And it was from that. It's from working with inner city kids and youth that I've found this desire to go want to eventually serve overseas, which I'm still working the details out right now. But like this place has opened a brand new desire in my heart that I didn't know existed. And so that's something that has impacted me, I think, for the rest of my life is to who are the people that I want to work with? What is it, what is it that I feel like Jesus is doing in the lives of these kids and being a part of it? So it's been huge for me. Cool. It's uh, interesting to see Sarah weep and cry up here. She was weeping and crying when she came on staff because she didn't know if she wanted to be a part of the kingdom. And now she's weeping and crying because she's wrecked for the kingdom and uh, carries on with that. What are you doing now? Uh, you were the Bibleville and Shift Director. We haven't really said that yet for people who don't know, working with kids and youth and team and colleagues. What are you doing now? How do we pray for you? Yeah, so I took the associate director role at Redberry Bible Camp, and so uh, they were just in need of s some help for the summer to get camp up and running, and so uh, I, I was approached and prayed about it and just felt like right when uh, they when they needed it, 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 Amy was the one who gave me the word that it feels like um, she had just listened to a sermon how 
uh, this woman had had a ligament in her ankle and so they took one from her hip and replaced it and it actually strengthened the whole leg by transplanting the ligament into the ankle but the whole leg was functioning then and she said that's what it kind of feels like what God is saying to you is to go have the whole leg functioning to go be transplanted at Redbury and the only reason I could do it was because I knew that I was going to be supported in it I knew that Brooklyn and Roxy were going to do a phenomenal job taking over Bible Bill and Shift and so as much as it felt like I was leaving a gap here, um, I knew that it, the hole at Redbury was just a little bit bigger. And so just trying to bring the kingdom wherever that is. So good. So good. What would you like to say to these lovely people? <laughs> this place has been my home and it still is my home. And I just want to thank you guys for taking in a a broken girl who didn't know where she fit, didn't know what God thought about her. And you guys have been so gracious and so loving and you've taken me in and it started during COVID. So it was like really weird timing of like not knowing people. But the moment I met anyone, it was, uh, it was like family automatically and people knew who I was and knew my name and were asking me. And ever since I've you know, switched. Whenever I'm back here, people are like, how's it going? And how are things, how are, how are you doing? And how's the transition? And you guys have been nothing but supportive. And it's, it makes the transition easier to be able to go serve somewhere when you've got family like you guys. And so just thank you for the years of support and the continued support. And I was only threatened once when I was left by uh, Bill Blackman. He came up and gave what Jeannie calls was a love tap. Um, but it was, it's been nothing but support. So I just thank you all for being a part of my journey, my healing, my, my ability to go do this. And so I, I couldn't do it without you guys. Cool. I'm going to call Amy up, who was referenced earlier to pray. Give Sarah a round of applause. Would you bow your heads, reach out your hands if you want, and we're going to pray a blessing over Sarah. Lord, we thank you for the beautiful work that you have done in Sarah's life, in Sarah's heart. Thank you for bringing her here. Thank you for your work of healing and your work of equipping, and thank you for how you have used her to bless us, to bless the ministry here, to bless this family. And uh, we just praise you, Lord, for the testimony of your goodness and your your wisdom and your faithfulness in um, in Sarah's journey. And so we stand with her and we um, thank you, Lord, that you have called her. We, we agree and we testify that you have called her to this next season, to this next chapter, that you um, do good work in taking care of your body. And we release Sarah to do the work of your kingdom wherever she goes. We bless her in... Um, her obedience, her courage, her faithfulness, her dedication to you, Lord. And we also just ask that you would continue to soften her heart and awaken the dreams and desires of her heart that you have put in them, that you have put in her heart, and that you would continue to just take her on the beautiful journey of your kingdom work and um, that your glory would flow through her. 
We bless her, Lord, with, with your grace, with your protection over her body, soul, and spirit, that you would give her everything she needs for this role as associate director at Redbury, and that uh, we thank you that you go ahead of her and behind her and um, continue to bless her. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Give God a round of applause and Sarah. Thank you, Sarah, for sharing with us. So we love you and are grateful you call this home. Why do we have those conversations? Why do we take time in church to do that? Because it's a good teaching moment for all of us to recognize and remember that we're not trying to grow our numbers or our church that we're trying to see the kingdom of God grow. And so we don't grasp and cling and pull and hold on to, but rather our job is to hold. And whoever God brings here, we are to disciple and to love and to equip and to hold firmly and securely. And when it's time for them to be released because God is moving them on or they're choosing, then we release them in grace. We hold in grace, we release in grace, and we take our piece of time with them as long as we have them. So we want to have that kind of place. And I want to thank you and the elders want to thank you that you are a content congregation in that young people can come on staff, step into leadership roles, be developed, be equipped, and carry that on to the next season. That is not always an easy thing to do because you have to absorb some of the mess and things don't always go perfectly. They don't even go perfectly with old guys like me, but but even with young guys as they learn for the first time. So I want to thank our team for stepping into it and for all of you for loving on them well. Um, Sarah's story could be considered like a modern day version of the Gideon story that we're looking at today. There was Sarah hiding in Starbucks as a barista when the voice of the Lord came to her through a phone call. I'm not the Lord, but I got to use his voice that day and call her to a new vocation and she stepped into it. It was a lot quicker with her than Gideon uh, to, to get, get her on the team, it sounds like. But I'm sure that actually the journey felt a lot the same. And we're going to talk about that today. And we saw how God used Sarah in great things in kids' lives, in volunteers' and leaders' lives, in colleagues' lives, and she will be missed. Followers of Jesus all have their moments when they need to step out of the shadows into what God is calling them to next. What does that look like for those of us who love Jesus? What does it look like to step out of moments and seasons of time where we would rather be hidden for senses of fear or inadequacy or the circumstances don't seem right? What does it look like for us? Well, today we're going to look at the story of Gideon and how God came to him. And in the sense of Gideon's inadequacy, God spoke to him. Gideon managed to hear and listen. How many of you know that listening and hearing can be two separate things? Right? I heard something, but I don't know. But to listen... This means you take what you hear and now it's going to become action. He was able to hear, to listen, and to obey. He almost stumbled accidentally through it. It could seem to us because it wasn't perfect right from the start. He had to work through his fears and insecurities. God is not the picture of somebody, pardon me, Gideon is not the picture of someone who hears the voice of the Lord and then it's smooth sailing. But Gideon's in good company because it happened to all sorts like Moses, not me. Dallas, not me. 
but God continues to speak. And so we're coming to the end of our three-part series on fear. In the last couple of weeks, we've kind of done a deep dive into that topic. The first message was entitled, Locked Up, What Are You Afraid Of? The disciples were locked away, hidden in a room. Even when Jesus was alive, post crucifixion they were still hiding out in fear and we talked about how the power of his presence and his words began to transform them last week we talked about being locked in what are you afraid of and that many of us don't live lives like the disciples did where they lived in fear for their lives but rather we often live our lives with fear in our lives and that scripture god through scripture says so many times do not be afraid or fear not but with that command to stop it comes the connecting point of the promise that says i will never leave you i will help you i will rescue you and that we could actually take moments that present as fear for real good reason but use them as a point of intersection to decide if we're going to go down the road with the enemy and get trapped in that fear or locked down in that fear or if we're going to go the way of jesus and believe his truth and his promise and that he won't ever leave us and we can be motivated by love instead of fear Today I'm preaching a message, part three, called Unlocked, Nothing to be Afraid of. And we're going to look at this Bible story in regards to Gideon, where you might be able to say that a bunch of this stuff comes together. I'm not, I don't have notes for you today. It's more of a conversation we're having as we walk through the story. But please write down what jumps out at you or type down what jumps out at you. And um, I trust that there is. Gideon's story is in the book of Judges. And the book of Judges is right after the book of Joshua. And the book of Joshua is where it describes the Israelites being led into the promised land. Moses has now died. Joshua Joshua is the one leading them in. They go in there. They defeat the enemy. And they're able to take over the land as was promised. And as Joshua comes to the end of his life in chapters 23 and 24, it describes Joshua's challenge to the Israelite people that they are supposed to fear him and love him and serve him and it would go well with them. And if they don't and they disobey and go their own way, it will not go well with them because he will have to correct them. This is where we find the verse that's hung in so many houses. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the people hear Joshua say that and they fully commit. And then comes two pages later in the book of Judges. And in the book of Judges, the next generation that comes up after the generation that committed wholeheartedly forgets about God. They go after false gods and false religions and false idols and they get themselves in huge trouble. God allows them to be oppressed. The people cry out to God God raises up a judge or a deliverer. He brings deliverance and defeats the enemy. They serve God for as long as that judge is operating or alive. And then after that man or woman passes, they fall back into turning away from God. And that cycle happens over and over and over again. Disobey, get in trouble. It now gets hard enough that we need God. So we cry out to God and then God comes and delivers us and they live good for a while and then they forget God. Sound like anybody else in the room besides me? It's easy to be hard on the Israelites, but I need to look in the mirror. Judges 6 is one such story. 
The people had been oppressed by a nation outside of the country. The Midianites and others were kept coming in and they kept ravaging the land. They kept stealing the food and then they kept taking off and then coming again. Uh, if you go back to the year 1998, 1998 is all kind of pre-time for all of you college students, I think. You were all before you were born. But um, just think Bugs Life. Think Grasshoppers and think Flick, and the grasshoppers coming in and taking all the food, and uh, Flick trying to be a hero in the midst of it. That's kind of what this story of Gideon is like. Maybe Disney owes the Bible some royalties, because it sounds really familiar. So that's where we're going to pick it up in Judges chapter 6. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abizer. Everybody say Abizer. Why have you say that? Because it's fun. <laughs> Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. Everybody catch that part. Wine press, grain. They don't normally go together. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. So you see what happens here. There's a kind of a deal going on. God says to the Israelites, you follow me. I can bless you and help you. You don't follow me. I can't bless you and help you. And I got to submit, let you over to be disciplined and oppressed. And Gideon is just pointing out all the facts. Where are you, God? And doesn't point to his own sin and the country's own sin that they haven't been following God in order to receive that blessing. Then the Lord turned to him, Gideon, and said, Go with the strength you have. Say that with me. Go with the strength you have. Again, go with the strength you have. And one more time, go with the strength you have. And rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. But Lord Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. The Lord said to him, I will be with you, and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. Gideon replied, if you are truly going to help me, show me a sign to prove that it is really the Lord speaking to me. Don't go away until I come back and bring my offering to you. He answered, I will stay here until you return. Gideon hurried home. He cooked a young goat, and with a basket of flour, he break, baked some bread without yeast. Then carrying the meat in a basket and the broth in a pot, he brought them out and presented them to the angel who was under the great tree. The angel of God said to him, Place the meat and the unleavened bread on this rock and pour the broth over it. And Gideon did as he was told. Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and bread with the tip of the staff in his hand, and fire flamed up from the rock and consumed all he had brought out. Think barbecue. And the angel of the Lord disappeared. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he cried out, O sovereign Lord, I'm doomed. I've seen the angel of the Lord face to face. It is all right, the Lord replied. Do not be afraid. You will not die. And Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and named it Yahweh Shalom, which means the Lord is peace. The altar remains in Ophrah in the land of the clan of Abizer to this day. Unlocked, nothing to be afraid of. Really? Does that sound that way in this passage of Scripture? 
Nations are literally coming in, ravaging your land, taking your food. You're fighting for subsistence. It sounds like a real fear factor to me. There's lots to be afraid of. There's lots of reason for concern. But what is the truth? The Lord shows up to Gideon and speaks his words. And in spite of the situations that are causing the fear to be real, the word of the Lord can be trusted. His promises can be trusted. So we can step into what God is inviting us to. And that's what we see Gideon begin to do in this story. So we see it. We pick it up with Gideon hiding in a wine press, threshing wheat. Now, just for those of you that didn't grow up on a farm or a vineyard, wine press is grapes. Wheat is a threshing floor in those days. And so if it was a wine press, it was probably carved out of rock or something like that they talk about. And and then you would press the grapes and get the juice for the wine. Wheat threshing took place kind of up on a hill or a platform and and you would beat the wheat and throw it up. And it was supposed to be high enough so that the breeze and the wind could blow the chaff away. But here we get... Because Gideon is afraid, afraid for his life maybe, or afraid that he's going to be seeing what he's doing and he's going to attract the attention of the grasshoppers, I mean the Midianites, to come steal his food, he's hiding out in a wine press threshing this wheat. And that is where God meets him. Where does God meet him? On the mountaintop, threshing wheat when he's all confident and secure and full of faith? No. God meets him in the wine press in a place that's not built for what he's doing in the midst of his fear, in the midst of his worry. God meets him there. In our day and age, in North American Christian culture, we often want to say, get your faith set up right, get it all lined up right, because then God can meet you in your faith and something awesome can happen. Gideon shows us something else. Gideon shows us that in the midst of your fear, in the midst of when you're a mess, his promises of do not be afraid, I will be with you, I will help you, I will rescue you, that is where I will show up. You see, God is a rescuer and a helper to the fearful and wounded, not just an advisor to the inherently successful. God doesn't just help those who have helped themselves. God shows up who have made, to those who have made bad mistakes like me, who have wrong choices, who have a family heritage that is messed up and broken. You don't have to have all your life all together and hope that God shows up just to help you get a degree better of life and a little bit more in your bank account and a little bit happier marriage and a little bit more respectful kids and a little bit more relationship with your colleagues at work. God shows up. When Gideon is operating in fear, and that gives me a lot of hope. The the Lord comes and says, mighty hero, man of valor, a warrior, man of importance. And Gideon says, who, me? Dallas says, who, me? How can I rescue Israel? My clan, my family is the weakest of every family in all of Israel, in all the tribes. And then if you take my family, I'm the lowest, weakest in all of them. What's he actually saying in today's language? I always get picked last. When they're choosing teams, I never get picked or I always get picked last. Then the Lord drops the hammer. And he basically says, even if you feel that way, go with the strength you have and rescue, the, rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. Go with the strength you have. Just go with that. What you have is enough. I know what you have. I know who you are. 
I am sending you, so now you go in my power and my authority and whatever you have is obviously what I think is enough for you to do what I'm calling you to do. You don't have to wait to get everything in order before you do and obey my words. God is inviting you folks to something. Don't get obsessed with what you don't have. Get obsessed with what you do have and really obsessed about what God can do with somebody like you. Honor him with what you do have because he is able to make up far, far more than all the rest that is lacking. He doesn't even need you and me. He just chooses to use you and me. God is calling Gideon, mighty man of valor, hero, as God sees him, not as, God, not as Gideon sees himself. God's words over you are more than the words of other people or the words you've spoken over yourself, words of condemnation and shame and fear. God had called Gideon, no matter the words he had talked about himself, I'm the weakest and the least and the littlest. God was still going to use him. The challenge for us here today is to trust God enough to follow him with the strength that we do have, not sit back and wish for the things we don't have. God's words over you are different. They are that you are a co-heir with Jesus if you follow and love him, that you're loved, that you're worthy of redemption, you're worthy of rescue, you are a child of God, you are a saint, you are an actual friend of God if you've accepted him as your Lord and Savior. So Gideon is called to lead a people of which he is the least to a battle of which the people are the ones they fear the most. That's a huge in, in, uh, in something, the word slipped my mind. Imbalance, that's the word. Just stick with me. I'm going to get through the whole message one piece at a time. <clears throat> Gideon gets the word of the Lord. He jumps into his prehistoric phone booth, turns into Superman, and begins to swoop all over the countryside, just knocking out the Midianites on the head one at a time. Little rabbit foo-foo hopping through the forest. Boom, boom, boom. No, that's not what happens at all. He has fear. In the next part of the story, and this all takes place in Judges 6 to 8, the Lord speaks to, to uh, Gideon to go tear down his father's altars to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole and burn it and sacrifice some bull, bulls. So God is positioning Gideon to go uh, tear down his father's false religious altars and shrines and to make a statement about who the real God is. So what does Gideon do? Does he gallop into town on a white stallion right at noon when everybody's on lunch break and says, hey, watch this? No, if you read the scripture, it says he was afraid of his family. He was afraid of the townspeople. And so he did it during the night when nobody could see him. My kind of guy. I can do whatever you want, but is there any need risking the skin off my back at the same time? No, he had heard the voice, he obeyed it, but it still wasn't easy. It wasn't coming natural yet in the midst of the fear. Can you relate that 
as you learn to obey and as you grow in faith and as you mature, that it's step by step. Rather, I'm a grade one type of Christian. I sure wish I was a college age type of Christian so I had more faith and knew what to do. We don't just jump from one to the other. We grow and mature. And for you to have questions, hesitancies, doubts that make you question your faith, your relationships, what you should be doing, people listen to me. It's natural. It's a part of the discipleship, learning to trust your heavenly father journey. And so you got questions, ask them. They don't scare him. There are so many things I have to do as a pastor that I never, ever wanted to do. I wanted to be the assistant or associate pastor for my whole entire life. So I would never have to be the guy to help lead the decisions or have the difficult conversations or know what to do when it feels like everything's going to hell in a handbasket. Scary stuff for a young guy. But now, God has over these years given me courage and strength to talk and make, help make decisions and to discern what is going on in a way that I never thought was possible. So here we have this situation has take, taken place. Gideon has destroyed that altar and that um, shrine to a false god. The Midianites and others are crossing the Jordan, the scripture goes on to say. The spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon and he blew his trumpet and summoned all the Abizarites. Remember I asked you to say that word? Everybody from his family and his clan. And he gathered them and he went out and destroyed the enemy immediately. True? False. I'll give you a hint. Most times when it's true and false, it's most often false, just in case you're ever shouting out the answer. Now I'm going to trick them next week, Amy. Not exactly. This is where we have the story of Gideon and the fleece. And if you've ever heard the, the, uh, story, the phrase, well, just put a fleece out, this is where it comes from. Gideon has heard the voice of the Lord. He's done and seen these, these things happen already. And Gideon still isn't sure if God is going to be with him and help him. And so he takes a fleece, a, a piece of wool, something that's fuzzy and soft, I'm sure. And he says to God, I'm going to take this fleece, God, and I'm going to put it on the ground. And when I come back to it in the morning, I would really appreciate that the ground be dry and the fleece be wet. Because if that happens that way, I know that you're speaking to me and I know I can go forward. So he does it, comes back in the morning, picks up, uh, the ground is dry, picks up this soaking piece of fleece, fleece and wrings out a whole bowl full of water. And so then Gideon is obviously assured enough now to go do what God wants him to do, right? Wrong, wrong. Online, if you got that, wrong. He says, God, don't get angry with me. I'm kind of a scientific nut. I don't know if there was some kind of weird conundrum going on in the environment. I got to do this a different way. I want to make the grass wet and the fleece dry. Can we do it that way this time? And God says, yeah, sure. In the morning, he comes back. Grass is all wet with dew and the fleece is dry. And Gideon said, let's go. That was what he needed to get going. As I've been preparing this week, I realized that we at the TRC, the Rock Church, operate a lot like this we're just a little church in the landscape of many great and big churches we're doing what we believe god is calling us to and when he calls us to do something that is different or we think that he's asking us to change or to be done or we're being led to something we put out a fleece but 
here at the Rock Church, we don't really call it a fleece. We call it an experiment. And that an experiment gives us all sorts of permission to be at peace and ease and see if God is speaking and what discernment he is giving for us to figure out what he has for us next. We often do experiments. We try something, try it out for a while, pray, see, figure out if this is what God is wanting us to do. We did that just recently in the last year and a half when we went to two services. A year and a half ago, we were starting to approach a number that if God added a few more people, it would feel really, really full in here. And so that meant we would, the board felt, the elders felt that we could try two services. And you all kept trying. Not all of you knew what that would be like. Some of you have bad experiences in churches when there's, when it tried two services for whatever took place. We were wondering, would the first service be small and pathetic and weak? Is it even worth doing it? But we saw as you prayed and you tried and you stepped past your levels of awkwardness and comfort to try something like that experiment... God has blessed it and caused us to grow. And those who even might have had questions now celebrate it as enthusiastically as everybody else. And what, where we were at 120 people ago, a year and a half ago, is now averaging 200 on a Sunday here. And Easter Sunday, there was 270 people came to church. And it's not about the numbers, but it is about healthy church and a healthy body reproduces and expands and gives space for healthy recovery like what Sarah was describing and, and place for discipleship. And so we believe that the world needs more of the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God wants to use the life of the rock church and the way that we present and move through the gospel. And so God answered through our fleece and our experiment. And so picking it back up with Gideon, the next part of the story after the fleece piece Please, please. That might be a thing around here. It might be better words than experiment. Making the long story short, he calls those Abizarites, that clan, 30,000 people show up. God says 30,000 people to go into a battle, way too many. You're going to think you're awesome, you're strong enough, and I'm not going to get any glory. Gideon, send all the people home who are fearful or afraid of going into battle. 20,000 gone just like that. Two out of three people are scared spitless that they run home. That leaves 10,000 left. God says to Gideon, Gideon, 10,000 people left? That's too many. You're going to think that they're going to think that they did, won the battle themselves because of all their strength. Do this. Take them down to the water. Cause them to call, have them drink. And then there's going to split them into two groups. The group that kneels down and cups up water and just kind of laps it like a dog. That was extra. They didn't get that in the first service. I just did that. Probably wouldn't do it a second time. Sorry online if that came across really awkward because it came across really awkward here. And then the other group, all fours, hands and feet, face in the water, drinking like that. Whoosh, split them into two groups, 300 over here, 9,700 over here. God says, Gideon, send those 9,700 home. God says to Gideon, 300, I can work with that. Let's go. And that amazing military planning of a trumpet and a jar and a torch takes place. And Gideon splits them into three groups of 100, and they position themselves around the Midianite camp. And at the sign, 
Gideon gives. They yell for the sword of the Lord and Gideon. They smash the jars. The lights, the torches burn bright. They blow the trumpets and they scare the living daylights out of that camp that they all wake up and start attacking each other and tear off out of town. And that is an amazing statement for the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. I don't pretend to know everything that that could possibly mean. But today what it means to me is that when the person named Gideon partnered with the power of the Lord, an amazing miracle could take place. And in your lives, if you will position yourself and partner yourself so that God can come alongside and partner with you and empower you, you don't know what will take place in your life. What is the word of the Lord for your life, for your friends, for your family? What does it mean for you that even if you are in a place of fear, to go in the strength that you have, to do what he asks you to do? You see, I believe he is either inviting you into something that will stretch you, or you are currently in the midst of something that is stretching you, or hang on because right around the corner, something's coming that he wants to use to stretch you and move you further into his plans. It's a partnership between you and him. What is the word of the Lord for our church? We are not in battles these days anymore as Gideon with the physical battle with those nations, but we are in a spiritual battle and the spiritual battle isn't going around to kill people, but it's to go around to people who are already dead in their spirit and preach Jesus and life and be Jesus in skin and hands and feet and see the dead come back to life when they say, Jesus, I'm a sinner, forgive me, I want to live for you and they come back to life. You see, the church gets a bad rap, and it's true when the church and the Christians go around outside in this world, and they go to everybody and their dog who doesn't trust in Jesus Christ, and they yell at them to live their life differently. That's the same thing as going up to a corpse and yelling to stop doing something. They can't stop something. They can't start something. They can't do anything because in their spirit, they are dead. They haven't come back to life in Jesus Christ yet. But what we are supposed to do is be out there helping people raise from the dead, so to speak, when we bring the hope of Jesus into their world and let them respond to it. And so our church, we don't think God is done with us yet. We don't think he just moved us from the wine press to the fleece test and leave it. The journey of Gideon that we looked at today was really one of growing through discomfort in order to move to places God wanted Gideon to go. He had to move from here to here to here, and he grew in confidence and strength, but all along the way there was discomfort. I think the idea of comfortable church in North America is being talked about a lot. They write books about it. It's seen as one of the most limiting factors of the work of God in our world is that Christians in North America, for the most part, like it comfortable and a little warmed up. And so here is the main challenge and question for you and me today. My question is whether we will let God do more than we are comfortable with. Will you let him do more than you're comfortable with in your life? Will you let him do more than you're comfortable with in your family? Will you let him do more than you're comfortable with in the life of the church? Because for you to be comfortable, for you to get to that point, you have to grow to a high degree of being comfortable with what is uncomfortable. Because it'll cause you to change, you to grow, you to do something different. 
The beauty of the Gideon story is that we can be nervous and we can be uncertain and we can take time to discern and we can let God speak and lead. The word of the Lord and responding to it is what made Gideon successful, not because he all of a sudden started pumping iron and became the strong man to lead his clan. In the middle of it all, he was still afraid, nervous, and discerning. So here's the current application to the Rock Church today as I talk about our Sunday services. Our church leadership has wondered for a, quite a long time now. A number of you asked questions of me at Dallas. What are you going to do? The church is growing. There's not going to be space pretty soon if God keeps doing what he's doing. Our friends as church leaders in the LifeLinks Network who have come here and preached, every one of them to a name has said, you guys got to figure that out. It's coming. Frank Hackett, who was here in September from Cranbrook. You remember listening to Frank? Poor guy had scratched his eye that day and he looked like he was crying profusely and he was just trying to keep it together. He's a, he's a prophetic guy and we went for lunch after before he left town and he said, I don't really have a picture for you or something big to say, but I have this and I don't know what it means. Don't think bigger, think more. And that's intriguing to me to have that impression. And so you kind of tuck it on the back shelf. But it's in moments like these where maybe it references that kind of statement. Who would have ever thought after being in this place and pastoring this place for 25 years, we'd be talking about multiple services. When I've spent most of my time going to church in the Rock Church with 30 or 50 people, to say the number 270 just sounds fun for me to say. I don't mean to be proud. I don't mean to be arrogant. But it's just fun to say these days rather than 30. It's funner to worship with more people in this place than less. It's funner to know that there's more influence going out. And I hear what you guys are saying about how God's impacting you and how you're serving and how, how you, some of you are saying, I can't wait for the weekend. And I haven't been that way for a long time to go to church and to be with God's people. Around here, we have a, the, the elders about 10 years ago began adopting the mentality of staffing for growth, where you would add staff, add leadership at the front end of a growth curve rather than at the end of it, where if it takes two pastors to pastor 200 people, for example, do you add the second pastor at 199 or at 99? And they believe that you add it at 99 so that you can equip and you can train and you can grow with the growth that goes on. And so what I'm about to describe could be applied to buildings, that we're talking about buildings for growth. And I'm about to talk about something that means that if you look around, that there's still room. But we're trying to get ahead of it on the front end to discern what God is saying, that if he's actually lifting the ceiling of this place for more to be done through the life of this place, we've got to get in front of it, not get caught after it. So we have had the dream, we have been discussing options, we've been dreaming, we've been praying, and the board made a decision in just the last couple of weeks, and I have this announcement to make that we will make by video. Construed with Roxy, our staff director. <laughs> Be 
beginning June 4th until September long weekend, we are beginning an experiment. We are fleece testing to see if God might be inviting us to consider being in larger space for worship services. There will be many questions, and it's hard to remember everything, so I'm not going to try to touch on everything. There's a question and answer sheet that will uh, get on the way out today that will answer hopefully most of your questions and you're free to contact us we're happy to talk about anything that needs further clarification but we've done our best to give you the information that you need but i've heard a number of stories of churches even ones in past decades here in saskatoon that when they started to grow the only options they ever had was moving into the suburbs and away from the inner city and the core This location is just three and a half blocks away. This place still gets to be our ministry center and work with the kids and youth. And on Sundays, who knows what happens in the future. But even now, there can be meetings and fellowships and it can be in use. The most direct benefit this summer is that it takes some pressure off this building so that for the camp preparation season. season. There's so much that goes into camp and so much space required that we get up here, we talk, we celebrate, we pray, but a lot of times we're not in the building when it's the nitty-gritty trying to get it happening and get it out to camp. It actually takes physical space. And so we try to get it all nicely cleaned up for you that most of you would never know the difference. But there can be stress just making the logistics happen of so much stuff. So this keeps us in our neighborhood. It more than doubles the capacity of a service as we sit in a place that fills up right now at 200. That seats 480. And so we, we could still make it and force it this summer, but the timing seems to be, and sometimes opportunities are time sensitive for us to try it now. We have grown over the past couple of summers. We haven't taken a back seat. God has still moved. And so we want to give room for God to move this summer. There are good parking options around the Roxy. Sunday children's ministries will continue as they do. This will involve some money. And we ask you to help with that. But with God's faithfulness and at this time, he has positioned us to be able to see ahead for this three-month period that ministries and staffing aren't at risk right now. So we're blessed. It involves risk and change and an adventure to be testing out a fleece and trying something new. And you church folks are so good at that. We talk about change and experiment a lot. We talked about how big of a deal this would be. And so it's okay if you're hesitant and have questions and doubts. That's all right. Please ask. Please consider. It's all right if you are excited and ready to go tomorrow to the Roxy. And it's okay if you're anywhere in between. You are people of faith, and this isn't about determining what the future looks like, but this is stepping out into the water to see what God may have for us. Amen? Amen. I'm going to close with this story, and I've told it about 10 times and haven't been able to get through it without crying yet, so we'll see how I do now. Sarah rubs off on me, I guess. A different Sarah who comes to this church you haven't seen her most of you wouldn't know her Um, she hasn't been around much in over a year she's struggling with cancer we're praying for her she's been a part of a life group she's a part of this community people have loved on her made food for her cared for her visited her watched over her cat i am so proud to be the pastor of a congregation that loves so well somebody in a situation like that to all of you that have physically done that uh, work 
I'm grateful. <clears throat> Sarah re-entered the hospital a few weeks ago, and uh, shortly after this decision was made, or right around the same time. And I was going there to visit her that day, and earlier in that day is the day I walked through the Roxy, and uh, we had made the announcement. It would have been a few days since the staff had heard, and now I was walking through it. And it's that point where you recognize it's fun and exciting, but there's still problems to solve. It's still a building. It's still not perfect. What will people think? And so I'm kind of sitting there scratching my head. I'm kind of walking back towards the wine press, if you know what I'm talking about. Talk to the staff, and they're getting to the point about, yeah, but what about this? What about that? And they're all valid questions and concerns. And so I'm wondering, and I'm stepping into the wine press, and I'm going, maybe I'm a year off. Maybe something's wrong. Maybe we missed it have a meeting that afternoon that encourages me, and then go visit Sarah in the hospital on my way home. And we're visiting, chit-chat, nursing care, food, all doing great. And then I ask this question that I ask a lot of people, tell me about when you made your decision to follow Jesus, Sarah. And she said this, and I will endeavor to get as close to word by word that she gave it to me, because I don't want to sound like I'm making this up. She started by saying, I walked into the theater, and because I could never go into the theater because you could only go in there if you paid. And I wanted to see why you could go in there for free. And the preacher on the stage, the evangelist on the stage, talked about Jesus and his death and his resurrection and how he loved me. And that day when I was 16 years old in that theater is when I made my decision to follow Jesus. I was dumbfounded. I've heard hundreds, if not thousands, of stories of people coming to Jesus. I don't know if I've ever heard one about a theater. And so you can tell me it's coincidence if you want, but I think Jesus met me in my fleece that day to encourage me to keep stepping and moving forward. We're going to close in prayer and dedicate this next opportunity and season to the Lord. And then we're going to do what you should do when you announce you're moving to a theater, eat popcorn and drink lemonade. So Ken, why don't you come uh, worship team come and we'll sing our way out of here in just a moment. Ken is one of our elders here and he's the treasurer of the board. Thank you, pastor. And thank you, Sarah. That was awesome. You don't just to hear uh, what happens when when we um, come together in community and are really seeking the Lord and allowing Him to work, right? You know, not seeking and saying, "Well, okay, yeah, but but you know, this I'm, I'm not sure I want to let you into this room or you know that kind of a thing." But to really um, allow God to to really work, it, it blessed you and it's blessed all of us and the kids. I mean, it's just it's been so powerful, and we're so happy that you're still part of this you know it's just it's a wonderful thing and uh daniel yes today's short stay didn't you guys didn't get the memo today's short stay <sighs> anyway the, you know this this fleece piece this is this is really uh, exciting we so, uh, quite some time ago talked about us being uncomfortable so others could be comfortable and it may be a bit like that and you know change is is, is a little bit different but uh you know we we want to ensure that we're not behind where God's going. We don't want to get too far out in front, but we want to be in his presence, right? We want to be, and so that, that takes some exp experimentation. And, uh, and so that's what we're doing. And it's going to be an experiment, but uh, it is that, that fleece piece. And I think that's really, um, really exciting. We're, we're at 
street level here, we're at street level there, but we've increased the opportunity. We've increased it. Who, who here um, really believes that God's on the move? Yeah. And so now we're doing the same thing. We're on the move with him. Not ahead of him, not behind him, but with him, beside us. So let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we just, we thank you for, um, for a, a congregation uh, of believers that love you, uh, that are prepared to do um, something that's, that's different, that's unique. We're thankful, Lord, for this opportunity that you've opened. Uh, this is a, a, a unique situation. We're thankful that uh, for those that work in the sound and, and technicians and, and all of those that do such a wonderful job, that they'll be released to just uh, minister uh, in this time. And so, Lord, we pray that as we go, that uh, there would be um, uh, literally an invasion of your spirit into that part of our community. Lord, that, uh, that we would, uh, because we will occupy that space and because you will be there with us, the presence of the Lord, that the atmosphere will change and it will be noticeable and it will be demonstrable, Lord, such that it would be uh, something that just draws people, that those that are beginning to thirst, they would sense that there's an opportunity to be quenched. For those that are hungry, there's uh, an opportunity for them to be filled. And so, Lord, we thank you uh, for for a people that are open to this. Lord, we, we, we have concerns. Sure, we have concerns. There's lots of questions, uh, some of the answers here. But, Lord, we also know that fear can sometimes be false evidence appearing real. So we pray that, uh, Lord, the lies of the enemy would just be uh, uh, brought to nothing uh, in this situation and that we would see the potential for you to move, the potential for us to serve, the potential for the kingdom to be advanced in these days. So, Lord, we just pray you would bless uh, the time that we'll be spending there. Lord, we just um, pray that you would speak to us uh, as to what this opportunity means uh, and to how it uh, uh, might open up um, the future. It would bring us to even like wide open spaces uh, to advance your kingdom. And so we pray uh, that that you would just um, encourage people, encourage their hearts, Lord, uh, as we uh, as we undertake this, and that it would be a blessing, that we would be a blessing, and that we would be blessed in this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you very much. Let's stand. You are dismissed. Sing along if you like it. You are dismissed if you need to go. Eat popcorn and visit and celebrate together. <laughs>